Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVO Online. I am Matt Rall here with Arcia. How are you doing, Arcia? Doing well, thank you. Good. Sutoni so is with us. Hey, hey. We have Rich Richman. Hello. Uh, Caleb is here as well. Hey, guys. And of course, Kenneth Feld, super famous these days. How are you doing, Kenneth? Good morning. All right. He's from CSM. He is also part of Talking in Stations as panelist. Uh, mostly on the stuff that he is an expert in, which would be uh, industry and beyond, but that sort of gameplay. Okay, let's get started. We have a full schedule today. We're going to do this in a couple of ways. One is we're going to have um, some news up here at first, and then later we'll have a panel with more industrialists. So we'll get some different points of view from different strata of the game, from uh, different points of view on the huge changes that have been announced. And uh, we should just start there. Uh, just tell us, uh, Kenneth, what came out this week? Such a big deal. Uh, basically, the dev blog dropped. We've been working on it for several months with CCP and the CSM. And if it's a tech one ship in the game, uh, something about it changed. Um, some things for the smaller ships, uh, I think, got better and will, in the long run, make them cheaper. Um, faction hulls. Uh, probably somewhat more expensive. We don't know how expensive yet. And battleships and up are getting considerably more complex to build. And the bigger ships will probably ramp up in price quite a bit. Yeah. So big industrial changes. These are broad, broad changes. And uh, we expect them to really uh, up, upset or put into upheaval a lot of different things over a long period of time. And uh, what you should uh, really take away from it, and we'll talk a lot more about this a little bit later, but the big takeaway is industry is changing in a very, very fundamental way, especially the harvests uh, that you need to do and the marketplace for the exchange of those things. The actual building of ships has changed. And uh, we imagine the, uh, the pricing and the budgeting is going to change as well as, as uh, all this works together. So, okay. First, um, let's actually tackle some other news because there was more in that uh, dev blog than meets the eye, right? Let's move away from the industrial changes and over to other things that were there. Suetonia, what were some of the things that popped out to you? Uh, so they're readjusting the uh, bounty uh, modifier again, as well as uh, the ESS mechanics. It seems like they're going to uh, make it so that more people get so that the bounty risk modifier is better, so people can make more ISK. But in the same patch, it seems like they're also incre they're, de they're increasing the time it takes the ESS to pay out. So presumably, I think that means they're probably going to go back to the three-hour timer they had initially in instead of the two-hour timer, which is what they set back, as well as uh, reducing the time it takes to steal from it as well. So I think you'll probably make more ISK after the patch, but it'd also be more at risk of uh, PVPers taking it. What do you guys think? So I think that the um, before they lowered the time to the two hours, you saw a lot more larger pots uh, available to take than you do now. Like sometimes you still see some pretty decent pots, but not like before the nerf. So I think it's it's a pretty good change to raise it back to three hours and give the ratters something to compensate to make maybe... Maybe they'll do better overall, but it'll be more lucrative to drive more content back into the ESSs again. 
I think uh, across the universe, it's a little bit sad. I think uh, CCP should have taken the opportunity and kind of nerfed uh, 06 uh, is printing right now because with the changes of industry and the changes that we can then expect in the future, I think ISK printing does not belong in null because they will have all these nice resources to actually export and import exports will be massively important in the future because of patches like the industry patch. Well, I would go first. Uh, as well, on the topic of ESS, uh, a lot of myself and a lot of my friends, we weren't big fans of the increase to the amount of time it took to loot things. Uh, it gave uh, the defending side quite a lot more time just just that increase of 90 seconds gave them substantially more time to prepare a full fleet and then get in. It, uh, it made stealing a lot more difficult. So I'm glad to see that this increase in time has reverted. Maybe not uh, how it was before, but we'll see how far it's actually reverted. Yeah, I was going to say as well, uh, from a group like Volta, we were using it to get content when we were like in between fleets. So what we do is uh, in our staging system, we would just have like everyone has like maybe an Ishtartle each, and you, like everyone has an Ishtartle and you're just in a PvP ship on your main. And then once you've been riding for about an hour doing that, the, the ESS starts to get pretty juicy and you just get people coming over to fight you. But with the shorter payout, it actually made it harder for us to get fights because it would just, you know, as soon as it gets to that po point where people think, yeah, let's take, you know, 15 cruisers and try and take this, it's, you know, been paid out. Uh, another thing as well that's also interesting, uh, let me see if I can find it, is the uh, CCP actually uh, released the uh, commodity faucets over time, top six. I assume oh, with the zoning uh, six. Hold on, the, uh, Johnny, before you move on to that, I just want to see if Kenneth has anything to say about the ESS. Well, I, I, the ESS thing is what it is, but I just want to point out for the people who are skeptical about the industry stuff that's coming. One of the things with making the industry this more complex is it gives them easier dials and knobs to change to affect building and manufacturing in the future. And it goes back to this ESS. This is the third ESS change in what, six months since it's been put out? These changes are relatively easy. It's just a number change in a database, and you can affect the game in a, in a very large manner across a wide swath of pilots. And if they can set themselves up to do the same changes with industry to where you don't have to go in and rebalance blueprints, which takes a significant amount of time, and they can make it to where it's just a couple number changes here and there, they'll be able to change a lot more things organically in a lot quicker response to how the players react. And I think this bodes well going forward that they have the foresight to do this. Now, I'm as skeptical as anybody else. Don't get me wrong. All I'm doing is pointing out that when the changes are able to be done quickly, they seem to react quicker. And I think that's a good thing overall for all the pilots. All right. At this point, I'd like to introduce somebody I left out at the beginning, and it's my bad. It's Abby Rova. How are you doing, Abby? I'm good, thanks. Um, right. Yeah, Go no, ahead, just uh, on that topic of the uh, ESS and DBS changes, um, I know a lot of people that also stopped going um, to rob banks because of the changes, but what they mentioned at the very bottom of the uh, article was the changes to capital uh, and like super capital ratting. Right, they left a little teaser in there that they're going to look at capital uh, ratting and mining. So 
maybe they have something juicy to add to entice people to go back out with supers, uh, you know, separate to these DBS and ESS changes. Yeah, they've kind of announced that already, right? They they do have something planned, even though I'm sad that uh, these things are still going to be allowed to do printing of, of money. I think it's a mistake. Yeah, well, uh, uh, a point that I wanted to make quickly was uh, if you go to the, uh, I, I think I posted it in the podcast channel for you, McLeod, if you want to show that on screen, might be easier for people. But if you go into the uh, monthly economic report, which I think you guys covered earlier in the week, mm-hmm. you can actually see the commodities now. And if you take a look at the uh, ESS tags, you can see that it was actually, you can see it like drops down quite heavily after the first month. And some of that's probably just natural, you know, normal inertia when something comes out everyone wants to do it and then after the first month it's no longer new and cool anymore so people stop doing it but obviously that crashed pretty hard so hopefully with the ESS going back to what it was maybe more of those tags are going to be cashed out wasn't it you Abby that uh, named the the thing there the fuzzy bump Uh, no I don't think so when you talked about there, there was one of the episodes where, where where you guys analyzed this graph and and uh, you you mentioned the the events that uh, suddenly made a ton of overseer stuff uh, available and someone so blamed you, it on Fozzy. So Tony, what's the uh, what color are we looking at on that graph for uh, the, the yellow the yellow uh, line? You can see it at, at the November things. So that's when it was put in. It's called bounty encrypted bonds on on the uh, legend. Those are the ESS tags you get from when you successfully rob an ESS. And um, I think it's also worth noting that there's still the secondary banks that they haven't released the information on how to get. What a trillion-esque where the keys will drop from in-game yeah, exploration. So with, with those bounty uh, uh, markers, right, they're also really nice storage of wealth, right? Because uh, you don't necessarily want to sell them. Oh, explain that a little bit. Well, when when it comes to uh, farming uh, money and, and, and speculation and, and all that stuff, well, two things are really useful for storage of wealth uh, historically. Uh, things that are tied directly to, to, uh, to NPC prices and Plex, right? And, and, and these, I would say, are almost a little bit superior to, to Plex because Plex is massively volatile. And we've been seeing it kind of uh, dropping down over time quite a bit. Um, so I would actually want to keep these. Um, and I'm okay. This is slightly uh, controversial, but if we're talking things like uh, RMT stuff, uh, they also have a little bit of a function as well. But oh, there's legitimate up. RMT. I saw that look on your face there, Rich. RMT is real money trading, and CCP does it all the time. What you're thinking about RMT is a bad thing is illicit RMT, which is when players do it as a third party. That is a different thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, but, should, you uh, could use them as like a roundabout thing for contracts, because I know uh, some people do that for Plex when it comes to expensive stuff. Instead of putting up like a Nix on a contract for 30 bill, whatever it's worth, uh, you can put you put it up for like thirty bill worth of plex because then you don't have to pay transaction fees to the NPCs and you could probably use those items as a similar thing. I absolutely would not hold on to the bonds because you they don't rise in value, they don't fall in value. That just you still have to cash them out and pay taxes. Just turn them into isk. They're safer to hold. You, yeah, you can't get to, you you can carry uh, to a few billion worth of uh, bonds in your back. Uh, 
cargo and you get shot, you lose it. You cash it into uh, ISK when, whenever you get the chance. You'll never lose the ISK. You can't lose the ISK from dying. Yeah, like, I was, yeah. was going to say, like, there's no point in uh, uh, like keeping them necessarily unless you're using them for something like using them as a different form of wealth to avoid like NPC transaction fees. I mean, I could see somebody doing this if Eve had a uh, max money integer stack where you have to start using something that can be easily converted to start trading high amounts of ISK. But there isn't a uh, there isn't a max stack of cash in Eve, as far as I'm aware. Like you can easily get two to the power of thirty one minus one. And hold on, is RCS still need there. You completely like, missed my point. Hold on, hold on. Before you move on, RC, I wanted to get in on that before we move too far away. I don't know if it's I, I was just going to say most of what Rich already said that they don't change in value because it's an NPC by order. But. This is exactly what you want when you're talking storage of wealth. You want but, certainty, and this, and then you're only sensitive to uh, ISK supply in the game. How is, the only thing than, how is it any different than how is it any different from liquid ISK? Just hold ISK. It's not ahead, any different from liquid ISK because if you have a, a 1 million esk token it's a million esk you can trade it for a million esk you could hold a million why don't you just hold a million esk because like, esk is easier to track and it leaves a record this is why i just said rmt items and rmt trade yeah but uh, assuming, assuming you're not trying to get banned then there is no real use right aside from the contract thing or like and if you think that ccp aren't looking at those things yeah yeah, I've lost track of what we're talking about here. RMT, again, is a thing in the game that is totally legitimate. Real money tradables are what we call Plex, what we call Injector, anything tied to Plex, right? Illicit Maybe. RMT is different. Illicit RMT is when players sell coins to each other. They're not supposed to. That's I different. feel like whenever somebody says RMT, they're talking about illicit RMT, right? But again, if, if, if you take something like things yeah. and transactions that you can do with these things instead of actual liquid ISK, you also have to start talking about corporate and alliance uh, security and uh, how much of the information is shared and how you can do shenanigans. This is also useful for things like siphoning. If you want to siphon uh, in, in your alliance, this is also a very useful tool. Caleb, this isn't like buying a, like a ch small chip of silver that, that, that I'm holding here. This is not going to go up and down. This is the equivalent of taking like a, a British pound sterling and turning it into a a Scottish pound. It's it's worth the same. This this you're holding on to something that's even more riskier to hold on to. Well, I think he has a point with the like security thing because like like potentially like having ISK in a corp wallet is obviously quite dangerous if someone wants to steal something. But if you had like I don't know a, a ESS bounty token that's in a corp hanger that's locked and you need shares to open it so all of the directors need to vote obviously you can manipulate that too if you have a controlling stake in the corp but it's safer than like just using the corp wallet outright I mean it's the same risk if you control your like wallet divisions responsibly and you well, control you, your you, hanger you, divisions responsibly you could be a director in a corp and take the corp wallet but still need shares to like unlock the bounty tokens if they were in a corp uh, office right so like it, it adds like a small smaller layer of security but gen generally like you should probably just sell them and have keep the isk all right one last thing on one last thing on this what have i just said seen... about what hold on a second what i just said about rmt is up for debate, so it's not a settled thing. RCL, you'll be happy to know Carneros is on your side that RMT is considered illicit RMT when people talk yeah, about it. Yeah, whenever 
I hear the phrase RMT, I think of like old McDonald and the self-checkout machine forming for 27 hours a day to sell it on a, a third party site. Yeah. Uh, so the gray market basically, which is bad. Uh, and he calls um, buying from CCP purchasing, which is different. Now, the reason I bring it up is because the marketers in the Tranquility Trade Tower or anybody that refers to Plex items, they call those things RMT items uh, a lot. So that's where my information comes from. But let's move on before we get mired in this hole. Uh, Suetonia, is there something else that jumped out at you? Uh, yes, the CCP are putting in a, a nerf to cloaky camping or specifically AFK cloaky camping. So to prevent people from uh, you know sitting in systems for 23 hours a day, permanently camping a system when they're not active. Uh, I saw on the thread as well, uh, I think Brisk Rubel made a point just saying that uh, he's a CSM member. I think most people know that. Uh, he mm -hmm. said that, that the CSM has uh, been very clear with CCP that, they, that it's just to nerf uh, AFK cloaking and not to uh, nerf like just regular cloaking thing. And uh, Maker Gold is also in that Reddit thread. I'll see if I can find it after I stop in a second, so uh, the cloud might be able to bring it up on the screen for you. But he said that the um, Omega Gold said there was a that there was changes coming to help keep assault gameplay. So uh, assault yeah, be... gameplay? What's I wonder what that means? Yeah, I'll see if I can find the uh, actual quote. Uh, trying to remember it because I read it yeah. read it All like right. two days ago. Uh, what do you guys think of what do you guys think of it being a tool, not a structure specifically? It could still be a structure, but they called it a tool. Yeah. I thought that the, was interesting. Um, yeah, the way they phrased it was very interesting. A new Intel tool is also coming, one that will offer a novel defense against covert operations, which to me sounds like a new like D scan or probes or something like that. Something active that maybe I don't know. Depth charges. Right, oh. <laughs> so far, they've been that mums a word on it. Zips, uh, lips uh, zipped up. They haven't said. A, I haven't heard anything on exactly what it is in detail. So until more information is revealed on just what this tool is, I I, I don't know how, what to say about it. It could be anything. It could. Well, if it becomes some some uh, submarine uh, depth charge thing, I'm sure that uh, DBRB is going to be uh, cancelling uh, his honeymoon. I just. I mean, we had a hour-long CSM meeting this past Thursday on it, so we all have a, a fairly good idea of what's coming. Um, obviously, I can't talk about any of that, but I will say this: um, the AFK cloaky camping thing. CCP realizes that's a problem in game, and they want to fix it. And the way to fix AFK cloaky camping is probably not to allow some Intel tool to work AFK as well, right? You wouldn't want to give someone a tool that works in a non-active manner to find someone who's acting in a non-active manner, right? So though all of this is centered around some sort of active gameplay, Intel, that type of stuff. Um, that way, the active players, the ones that are logged in doing something, are the ones that come out on top. Yeah. This has been, uh, Arcia, go ahead. Then I want to make a, a declarative phrase. Go ahead. I'm just saying, I hope it does focus on the completely AFK uh, pilots and not like I have a dual boxed alt that's cloaked in a system and I'm at my computer um, and I should be able to be paying peripheral attention and, and avoid it. So I think, I hope it doesn't ruin that because I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you're actually at the computer. 
and as well yeah. with wormholes sorry uh, you know it'd be interesting to see how this affects wormholes where you can be cloaked up for six hours but be actively following a fleet or something let me uh let me just go back to the beginning on this cloaky camping kenneth can you describe it a little bit for people that may not understand what that technique is and why it's important it, it's basically a pseudo blackout if you're going to go invade someone and you want to run the ADMs down in the system to make uh, the entosis and taking the system better, the easiest way to do that is to stop them from ratting and mining in the system. So you just park an arm in the system that you log in at downtime, push the cloak button, and you stay there until downtime the next day. They don't know if you're active or not. They just know that you're there, and you can feed intel to other people. So if you see three supers start ratting, then maybe other people can come in and tackle them like the Sino, that kind of stuff. So the people who are less or more risk averse will not mine or rat in that system. And if you stop mining and ratting, the ADMs go down and make it easier for invading forces to come in. So it's a, it's a dual, dual tool and it denies people the ability to have an income, the line members, and it also makes it easier for an invading force to uh, take the system away from them. Now there's other gameplay with some periphery stuff, but that's the, that's the general gist of it. Right. And it's loath because what it does is it makes, uh, people who are trying to make an income in peace, like never feel secure. So those people don't like it. And then empire builders don't like it because as you said, it reduces activity, which reduces their defense modifiers. So basically basically systems get weaker and weaker and weaker uh, and that's one of the things you'll see is deploy cloaky camping uh, one group will do that against another in order to begin an invasion that's usually one of the first things that happens that kind of harassment yeah there is some uh, some uses for it like uh, using it to target bots for example so you can uh, put, put the cloaky camper in a system with a bot and then they won't be able to uh, rat anymore so you shut down the bot and if they whitelist your character where they basically they decide to ignore your character after a few days sometimes you can then kill the bots but uh I, i'm not too worried about it being removed like being that aspect of hunting bots being removed so i think ccp has actually done a really good job in the last year and a half ever since they uh announced i think it was at evegas 2019 their new uh, i think it's called sentinel or something the new system that they've been using mm -hmm. There's been uh, a lot less bots around that I've seen. Like I used to, I roam NoSec almost every day and it, I very rarely find bots now. Like it's maybe like once a week or maybe if I'm specifically looking in certain regions, specifically looking for them. But uh, before, like before that Vegas presentation, there were like whole regions in the game where you could tell that there was probably more bots in this region than actual players. Yeah, maybe that's why the PCU looks like it's gone down a little bit because all those inactive bots are off and they're no longer and, working. And the I Sentinel. Can tell you yeah, go ahead. The, well, the let me just describe the, function the is, Sentinel. Is yeah, huge. Can you sorry? Can you talk about the Sentinel program so we know what that is? Me? No, sorry. Okay, the Sent Let me just do this. The Sentinel program uh, is basically something that is compared against reports. So if I'm a player and I see something that looks suspicious, I report it to CCP. They take that report from human eyes and they compare it to their Sentinel data. Um, uh, I guess it's, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's basically looking at patterns. And so they compare those two things. And if they find that both things match, 
and it does look like a bot, then they act on it. Then they return an email to the player that reported it in the first place saying, thank you, we got them. And uh, so players have been receiving thank you letters from CCP uh, ever since that program went into effect. Go ahead, Kenneth. No, I'm just saying that that program has been very well received and very helpful in CCP's uh, quest. Isn't there um, in the new Hobo Leaks uh, a skin that uh, people who report bots are going to get or something I heard about? Yeah, I've heard uh, there was also in another Hobolix thing, there was something called like the uh, bot reward program. And actually in BDO, which is, you know, obviously another MMO that Pearl Abyss owns, uh, they have pro- like uh, bot hunting programs where if you report a bot and it gets banned, then you get a, a small reward, like you get five days game time or something. So in this case, it seems like maybe CCP could give you a skin if you report a bot and then they get banned. I'm wondering if this reward is going to be retroactive. Like, when do they begin counting? Because they recently released the number of bots being banned, and I went through all of my emails and calculated it. Out of all the bots that were banned from reports, I account for 4% of them. One person. And I'm, uh, you know, puts a grin on my face to uh, realize that. But I'm curious how they're going to be distributing the the rewards. There may have been 25 people that reported one bot, too. Ah, Yes, that, uh, that's Uh-oh. also a very real possibility. You've been made but, redundant. Uh, <laughs> Redundancy but, uh, is good. No, I mean, that's too great. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy. I don't like bots any more than anybody else. Get rid of all of them. But, you know, uh, what, what you're saying all makes sense. And that would be pretty cool to have a skin that uh, I would probably press to not have it be tradable. You know, the pilot that's reporting, you redeem it, and it goes directly to your your in-game, you know, you can't sell it on the market type thing. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to just kind of thing to be sold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It should just be redeemable from the email and uh, it should be applied retro- retroactively. That and a metal, right? Why don't they use the metal system for, you know, unique rewards? Like- the, um, the Galente Grand Prix racers got medals. Oh, okay. So Maybe they, they should use that more, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's unique. In in world medals from organizations is really cool. I think. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the top five of the uh, I think it's the top ten actually of the uh, the Abyss Proving Ground event also got a like a medal from the Triglavians, which is really cool. <laughs> that was not approving. <laughs> tisk tisk tisk. You danced okay. for the triangles. You're their little plaything, Suetonia. See, All right. Elisa's not even been gone for a week, and already she's got a new target. <laughs> oh, no. They, uh, yeah, they've been playful like cats a long time even before the show. All right. Um, what else did you see, Suetonia, in there, or any of you guys? But Suetonia's got a list here, so let's go through that. Oh, one second. Yeah. Anybody uh, else got a... Yeah, um, well, not aside from the changes, like we can talk about the industry stuff, but I think you wanted to... Move on yeah, to we'll that, open right? that up. Yeah, we'll open that up in a minute. I think um, Garcia had something about some fights in the uh, low sec, and there's yeah. also some goon swarm keep stars that died this week, and some more stuff that you might want to talk about. Yeah, so let's move over to war news now and uh, conflicts. We'll start with uh, RCA's uh, low sec stuff, right? All right, just a, a brief mention in the snuffed out saga. Um, snuffed out 
uh, anchor to keep start and secede on their second attempt. Um, the first attempt was destroyed uh, on the anchor timer. The second attempt went up successfully, and then they reinforced the secede uh, keep star belonging to Siege Green. Um, and Wrecking Crew and Siege Green and all that reinforced the uh, sieging Fortizar on, on that they anchored in Secede, and they reinforced the Lantorn Fortizar of Snuff. So then everybody alarm clocked for seven in the morning for the Siege Green Keepstar on yesterday morning. And uh, well, seven in the morning, my time, obviously. It's like just after downtime or something. Um, and that repaired snuff didn't show up to that. And they've wrecking crew and, and co followed up on the four desert timers in both secede and lantern. And they are now going to hull timer. So, um, there should be some spicy events for, uh, snuffs hull timers on their siege for desire in secede and their lantern for desire that has been up for a while now. Um, so things are getting spicy in the anti-snuffed-out uh, saga, where Wrecking Crew and Siege Green and a lot of other groups in Losec have, uh, who normally, a lot, of, a lot of people who in these groups normally shoot each other have uh, banded together. And um, it's, it's kind of funny. I posted like uh, something on Twitter after the event where like, Losec gameplay is a bunch of blue sitting around on a Keepstar waiting for reds. Low set gameplay is a bunch of reds sitting on a keep star waiting for more <laughs> hated reds, right? Yeah. The darker reds are getting attacked. Yeah. The, <laughs> the minus 15 reds. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, we're watching that situation as well. I think actually uh, Tuesday is the final timer. Is that right? I think. Yes, yes. A couple, couple of four desires there. It'll be interesting. Okay. Also in um, war news... I don't know, Kenneth, you, yesterday you were on the Meta Show, you did a, a really good job explaining some of these industry things, but you also talked a little bit about the war and your own perspective, and you said something along the lines of, I have 14 Titans and they're all going into this war, I'm in it until Wendy Q is wrecked. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, I pretty much said it. Um, you know, you always have that uncle that comes to visit and never leaves, and he smells funny, and he puts his bare feet on the coffee table. Well, that's me. I'm in T5Z and I ain't going anywhere until they're, well, I mean, obviously if we say, Hey, the war's over, we leave, I'm leaving with them. But you know, <laughs> I, I don't have, if I was in charge, I don't have any plans to leave it until, you know, both of us can have no Titans left and we're fighting with Corvettes. I don't much care. You know, uh, I don't want to, I kind of, after I went back and listened to it, I kind of sound harsh. If we all go to Vegas. I'll gladly buy him a drink or a beer or whatever. I'm not going to buy mittens, one of those little fruity drinks that he likes, but you know, I'll buy him a beer or a whiskey. But uh, that, that said, you know, in game now, nah, not stopping until they're a pile of rubble and I can freaking salvage their wrecks. That's one mean uncle, but so, uh, we'll call him rattlesnake, uncle rattlesnake. I think it's important to have a good attitude towards the people you fight in game out of game right so like i think that whole idea of we fight in game and and together when we meet in real life we we have drinks together is really good one um and like because at the end of the day the people you fight with in the game you're playing the game with them right are you gonna play like monopoly against somebody you hate no right 
So not at you the shouldn't, you shouldn't actually like you, it's more fun when you're fighting against people who you actually like respect outside of the game, I think. Uh, I think respect is probably pushing it a little too far. Too, too but, strong a word. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my I'm opinion. A, right. uh, now, the guy who got me in this game is in Goons. So, and I've known him for better part of uh, 25 years now. I was in the Navy with him for many years. Uh, I wouldn't vouch him into PL, but uh, I love him to death. I will, uh, you know, he's been to Vegas with me. Um, you know, I attended his wedding. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's all great. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a line there. And uh, thou shalt not cross. Do, no, do you like see that? That, see, that? The bonds of EVE Online are stronger than real-life friendships that go back years? That's and interesting. My wife doesn't have my passwords nor how to get into my <laughs> clients. If I die, the passwords aren't in my will either. The, the, the What I have just goes away. Period. <laughs> But but to be wow. fair, right? Uh, you just like in sports, you do need hatred for at least the the twice uh, times forty five minutes that you're on the field, right? Uh, so so fake fake hate is at least required. So like RP, like with in my case, it's RP, and like Arcia has opinions that might be different from my opinions, right? Arcia, the character. Um, do you ever argue? I'm, I'm, I'm not actually in New Eden, so I wouldn't actually interact with, <laughs> with her. She's not a good person, right? <laughs> but uh, um, we are mass murdering sociopaths who control spaceships with our minds. So uh, it's unsurprising that our characters hate one another, but I don't think we should. And I think it's more fun after a fight if you can talk to the people you've, you fought with and talk about the fight on like a friendly level it's it's like oh wasn't that so cool and so and so shot so and so first or whatever you know right well the other day after a big old fight headliner gave goons a ride home on his you know bridge out so oh really at least i think he did i'm not sure there's still i i don't well see my problem is i don't know who a lot of these people are and i'm kind of embarrassed by it so i, I should probably know but no, 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 no. I don't. And, I, and honestly, I don't even care. Just, you know, yeah. whatever, shoot them. Yeah. Just take all that space fame and like put it into a box. Uh, treat everybody the same. All right. Um, love that hardcore nature though, Kenneth. That's, uh, that's what makes this game like actually competitive is uh, playing and outplaying really smart people uh, like yourself. And you're committed to this war and you're going to see it through. Um, Okay, but let's see now on the board what happened this week. Uh, that was, I believe, is it three or what's the count on Titans that died? I'm uh, sorry, uh, Keepstars that died in Delve in just this week. I believe it was three, right? Uh, well, actually, it was five, I think, because probably the 22nd is technically part of last week, right? I had to yeah, buy but, ammo four times. Yes. Yeah, so, it's just according to plan, right? It's supposed to be three to five on average every week from now till what? Four months in the future. Fifty days at the is the uh, fifty days if there is no acceleration, which there appears to be. So maybe I would say forty three. Forty two. Pull that out of the head. Yeah, forty two, forty three to fifty days to clear all the structures that have been cleared. And the big structures are the only ones being counted. There's a lot of small structures too. We saw in TNT territory, everything's reinforced. That whole system. It's one of two systems and. 
TNT is no longer there. They evacuated their stuff safely, but a ton of structures are being targeted and largely uncontested, I think. How many yeah, of the ports with the special rigs have died? Are they going to be able to oh. fill all the six slots of keep stars on the top of Ezekiel? Uh, I, I don't know. Expect that to just uh, keep piling up as um, I believe they are. We had a Titan count. I don't have it handy, but I think it's um, I think they're like two thirds the way through, maybe getting close to half the way through. Uh, there's still some systems that don't even have iHubs in there to capture the system in order to make it safe in order to destroy the Keepstar. So some like 12 systems still need iHub um, uh, iHubs put in place if they're going to destroy those keep stars. But there are plenty this next week that are basically ready to go if, uh, if Happy Forces are ready to take it. Caleb, we said this uh, a while ago. You said it, not me, that Delve has fallen. I think you're right. And we're looking at what? The demolition phase? Yeah, it's the, it's, it's, now it's the tough job. Uh, ironically, I'm doing something very similar in real life with cleaning out for my kitchen being built. So this is very similar. Um, they have to clean out all this stuff. And because Billy is uh, persistent that it has to be clean before 1DQ, which is going to be a little bit uh, funny because that's going to drag it out at least two months, right? According to the, kill, uh, the Doom Clock board. Yeah, the... The Delve actually has an iHub in every single system except for one, I believe, that's claimable, which is, I believe, it's, I think Goons killed it. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a Keepstar in that system, though. In Nines are attack. The other systems that don't have iHubs in are NPC stations. I think they did reverse one iHub. Well, no, but it got reversed again, so that was only broken for a day. But they did break the chain of uh, consistency that's needed for the 35 days to put in a Sino Jammer on one system at least. Yeah, but they can just do that system last, right? Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's why I said that's not the one that's probably without a jammer. Well, anyway, the point is, go ahead. On the, on the whole politeness and, and, and not so hateful stuff, I, I did almost feel like with, when uh, Happy took the whole TNT space thing, uh, they managed to evacuate a lot and it felt like they were like waving at them when when they took all their stuff out and, and just before the demolition. Right, but they're going to 1DQ, which is being islanded out. It's not like they've escaped. They've just gone to where everybody else is. The tribe has consolidated into section or the, the empire into one system, really. And it's sitting there strong as can be, uh, waiting for, you know, because they have a ton of structures there, a ton of defensive structures there. They're waiting for the enemy to try to invade that one system, 1DQ. Kenneth, uh, what's your opinion on what's going to happen in the future there at 1DQ? Uh, I'm probably going to build stuff and it's probably going to get blown up. Uh, I'm not in any of them channels. I don't know, don't care, really, as long as it ends up as a wreck. Um, yeah, I'm probably not the person in Pappy to be asking about that. Um, that said, does anyone know if Ermelin is the asset safety spot for it 1DQ? Is. Okay, it yeah. is. With a frat Fortizar sitting on the undock of uh, the only kickout station in system. <laughs> yeah, I was... Okay, so I was... Uh theorizing right because we're trying to play with this new idea of the industry and how it's changing and i was thinking if i was in the imperium would i want to asset safety right now when the titan is worth worth a little bit less than it may be you know when it gets calculated later like right now it may be worth um 
what, 80 to 100 to 120 billion, but it may be worth 140 to 200 billion in a few weeks. Would I want to asset safety that right now? Or would I even want to like demolish it and sell the parts at this point? Like insurance fraud used to work, right? Um, is it worth more dead than alive, basically? And I was thinking that, and uh, then I was told by both sides to like, stop thinking that way, that nobody's going to do that. You know, that well, this is... An breaking fighter. in the parts is worthless because you only get 55% back now. It's not like the old days where you, you get a whole Titan back when you reprocess. So, so you, only get 50, yeah, you only get 55% of the parts. So yeah, that, that just won't work. And I've heard, I don't know if this is true, if you tear down a ship that's already built, do you get subcomponents or do you go all the way down to minerals and gases? No, and you, you, yeah. So like if you reprocess a Titan, you would get capital components and then you would have to reprocess again to get minerals and lose another 45%. Oh, so you're constantly losing every time you're reprocessing. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, in the future, go ahead. I was going to say, like, since they're, at, they're not taking away parts, they're adding them. So, like, you ideally you want to hold on to the tie-in because it's going to increase in value significantly after the, the phase. Well, that's what I mean. Like, asset safety, I'm not telling anybody to do this. I'm just theorizing. Uh, asset safety now, cash, you know, pay your 15% at the lower Titan price. Then everything switches. And then you reprocess to sell those parts. Well, you don't reprocess it. You just con sell it on contracts because it's going to be worth way more. Yeah, you yeah. say yeah, that. You but still only get 55%, even though it's the new components. It's not yeah. going to... The amount of... Hmm, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this, but the amount of minerals that are going to be in a new Titan versus an old is slightly less, but the components themselves aren't going to be the big jump in price that's going to be the other stuff that's added in. So you're the, the rate of or the, the, the return on that, what you're talking about just isn't going to be that. I did just a little bit of a uh, correction to the whole thing of it going up in price. Yes, it's going up in cost to produce. That does not necessarily mean it's going to go up in price. If you want to talk about the price of something like Titans, we cannot do that until one DQ has fallen, right? Because as uh, Vili was pointing out uh, the other night, well, this comes down to existing supply as well. So even though you can say, well, to build a new one will cost considerably more, that's not really relevant when there is potentially a lot available that people want to offload. Well, there was a shortage of Ragnarok holes, though, for test, right? They were having trouble reimbursing people who lost Ragnarok because they had spared tight holes of all the other kinds that they could give people or they could give them money. They just couldn't give them a Ragnarok hole, so... Exactly. So it's <laughs> yeah. going to be very much dependent on what is actually available in the game and what is the cost to build a new one. So uh, yeah. I think we were talking flavor. about uh, shorting certain uh, Titans because of this, because there's some that will not go up in price potentially. And and when the redistribution starts, the, the price is, is all different all over again. You know, what we say today, the minute the redistribution, the next I don't know what devlog's next. Sutuni has an idea, better idea than I do. I'm on the CSM. But that said, when the next devlog drops, price changes again. The next devlog drops, the price changes again. So you, you, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Plus, these are these are items that are not sold necessarily on the market. They're usually sold by contract to known parties and that sort of thing. So that's a whole negotiated price tag. 
And that has totally different demand pressures and supply pressures. Um, and this ties into the industry changes, right? Uh, Kenneth was explaining how many of the things that they have put into these uh, new formulas, right, are items that are kind of not used much right now. So they are extremely cheap and uh, no one really trades them because they're useless. They don't do anything. They have very narrow niche uh, utility. But when all these things come in, where those prices are going is anyone's guess because, well, of course, we know what the sources is, but who's going to start doing that? Who's going to push their labor from one activity to that activity instead? Um, it's going to be very complicated because usually you have these seesaws, right, in, in the game. So when you mine one thing, at some point you've mined so much that now it's dropped in price, now it's more valuable to mine something else, and then you shift. But the more items you have, the more you have to shift out that activity labor-wise uh, on all the items. So the volatility of EVE market-wise is going to go up, and I'm very positive on that. Yeah, that's a, that's something I can't I think can't be stressed enough right now. There's a lot of people predicting where prices will end up exactly, and they're all just guesses. Nobody can say for with any certainty once the next couple of dev blocks and changes come in where anything will end up. Less think about it like this. Last week, what was it? Every NullSec alliance is going to need a high sec entity to mine TRIT in order to build pipes. Then we find out yesterday, hey, that's probably not true. So anything we're thinking today, you know, and now Monday metaphorically, it could change, right? So last night I uh, lost my uh, Vexenavia and I looked in, uh, I was in GD looking for a new one. And somebody had bought out all of the X and AVs. Everything's been sculpted, just like uh, the graphics cards right now. And they're up to, they were up to about 150, 180 plus last night. Today, somebody's uh, shipped some more in. I believe um, at the time this uh, update was announced yesterday, uh, a few members from various discords uh, went up and bought uh, prospects all around and flipped them for profit. If anybody's speculating about uh, what the prices are, nobody knows. It could go up, down, left, right, sideways. I'm just going to say yeah. that people that are behaving like this right now could end up holding uh, the ball for quite a long time because even though these replacement things are changing, it's all going to be dependent on the actual destruction numbers because current stockpiles is really what sets the price. Trying to, 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 to corner like this, unless you've actually got the monopoly and cornered everything in one specific items, uh, you're not going to be able to hold this forever. And it's the same, anyone that's right now doing rage builds of, of all these things at the old uh, costs and values, well, the more people do that, the more likely it is that the price is not going to change. And you can't just lock the price unless you want to lock up massive amounts of wealth in your uh, hangar for years. And we are talking years. When barges changed, people had stockpiles for years. When battleships changed, they had stockpiles for years. If you really want to lock up your wealth like this, I'm just going to say that's a little bit dumb of you. So uh, consider uh, waiting till things settle. With easy and fast money is uh, easy and fast risk. Uh, if you're going to start chucking your money at things and trying to make it stick, uh, keep in mind it's a coin flip. It could go by that way. Well, because if you think about it, right, if, if you end up spending two years selling off the stock that you have increased in value by, let's say, 75, maybe even 100%, like with the, the, the battleships. Sure, that's nice. But if you start calculating how much money you could have made with the same wealth in the same period of time, 
it's really not a good profit. Let me bring this up. Akulo says, no offense, CSM, but I stopped buying. The CSM will iterate uh, a long time ago. Yeah, and, so and we already talked about that. Um, ESS has been out six months now, and they've iterated for the third time on it. So yep. it's, there's an iteration that requires a lot of work, and there's iteration that requires a small amount of work. And the small amount of work is happening. And that's what they're trying to drive this industry to. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to iterate on industry right now. This is far from iteration. They're still making the building blocks. The iteration will happen at, once they say, okay, redistribution's done, industry updates are done, and scarcity is over. Then you're in the iteration phase. But I still think that's going to be 12 to 18 months from now. Now, Kula's not convinced. He says, well, they've said they've promised to iterate on many things and stuff. What's the distinction between how they used to iterate and how they're iterating here? You just said it, but maybe reemphasize the dials. Uh, yeah, the, the iterating, if they have to go in and start monkeying with BPOs and that kind of stuff, that takes a, a developer and a programmer and a team to do. Whereas if you're just changing, like I'll give you a great example. When Barra changed the amount of um, uh, waypoints are not waypoints. We, um, the things in space, you right click and save location. Uh, bookmarks. 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 Yeah. They when she said I points, did a thing and she put that little picture on, on uh, Twitter where it changed to 500, you know, that was a, a single quick change that probably took her 20 minutes to do. Right. Take, Those are the type of things that we're talking about that they can iterate on easily. And then another example is uh, the, the gas you were talking about, right? Right now they're putting it not exclusively in wormhole space, right? So, so they're putting it out into low space, uh, low sec space as well. well. No, okay. There's two different gases. There's yeah, the can I just finish my point? Uh, they, they're taking something that is that is exclusive to one area of space and, and adding it to more space, but they can roll that back, and that will considerably change everything in the current uh, industry. Well. Roll, rolling that back would take quite a bit of work. But what they can do is when they make this little gas site and they put 5,000 of each gas in there, changing that to 4,000 of each gas is extremely easy or 2,000 of each gas. That's extremely easy. Changing where it exists, that's why they're doing this big change now. Is that, that's kind of the differentiation. A lot of the current problems exist in things that are hard to iterate on. Um, so it's great if they add a lot of stuff that's easy to iterate on, but how uh, do you see them going back to stuff that might be hard to iterate on stuff like maybe faction warfare that needs a lot of love? Yeah, that, that type of stuff, what they're doing with the ecosystem right now, that's basically a two-year project or two-and-a-half-year project, they, once that's done, I mean, they don't have 10,000 developers, right? So they have a team. So once this team is complete and the ecosystem is done and it's more in maintenance mode, then they can look at, okay, what's the next thing we want to tackle? Whatever they choose. And the CSM doesn't really get to decide that, right? We, you know, that's, that's done by high level people at CCP. And if they say, okay, next, you guys are going to work on faction warfare and they get their team whatever they call the team together and they work on it, then it would probably be six months of them thinking about it. And, you know, what can we do to change? 
they may present it to the CSM at that point. Hey, this is kind of what we're thinking. What are your thoughts on it? That kind of stuff. Now, whether they can get that team together in six months or a year from now or whenever they have the developers and there's certain skill sets that they need for certain things, like not every developer. And I didn't know this when I, when I first got on the CSM, not every developer can do everything type deal. Right. So like, if they're going to touch this type of system, then they need this specific developer. And there may be only a few. So they have to wait for them to become available and other people to become available and make that team. And I cannot possibly tell you when that would happen or what would have to happen to make that work. Um, I do know that Phantomite and um, Torvald on the CSM are highly motivated to get low second faction warfare looked at, but I don't know that CCP has the people, the time, or the to to be able to pull that off right it now. It does feel like a lot of stuff comes into the game and then is just like never touched upon again. You see things like faction warfare, which has received very minimal changes over the better part of a decade. You see things like uh, incursions and now i mean it's newer now but people are expecting the same of like potch um wormholes are, are often overlooked uh resource wars oh god resource wars right like um just, and the list goes on and it just it stuff like that does great on people uh, well, especially people who like the content but it's because of what can it kind of hinted at right if you create designs that are difficult to iterate on, where you have to almost like go all the way back and, and, and look at the entire project, because all the ones you just mentioned was something that had a lot of development time and then they got packaged, put in a box and put in the game. Then going back in there and, and changing things and iterating on it will potentially not be very useful. It would be very time consuming. But if you, from the beginning, as this stuff seems to do, uh, have a plan on making it easy to iterate on by creating knobs on the outside of the box that you can turn whenever you want. Then it becomes very simple to actually improve and, and change things, especially if you, if you know what each knob does, which is a little bit of a problem when you're talking economy things, right? Uh, don't turn two or three knobs at once. You're going to mess things up. Stick to one. Uh, we've seen many examples of uh, CCP doing too many knobs at once. But... In the future, I think that they could go back and look at some of the things that you did mention last year, which is find ways to create knobs that actually goes into those boxes individually. Uh, forgive me for putting on the red tinted glasses hearing this, but um, to hear that the CCP are able to make have to take their time with these changes that require a lot of uh, work and it's very relatively easy just to change a number if it's so easy for grandpa ccp to crash the economy by turning a one into a zero proverbially i'm surprised there isn't more updates that just involve changing a number a mid slot there a low slot there an increase in here i'm surprised there's not more balance updates in that case ones that uh well, some ships and some areas of the game sorely need i think that's because of procedures right uh, changing something like one or two things uh, fast and dirty is only expected when it's uh, when when it's an actual fix, right, and not a change. If it's a change, it needs to go through processes in CCP. And it's all almost like you also need to like at least mention it to the CSM potentially, 
So then it's not as easy to do fast and dirty. Yeah, but they're definitely uh, pushing themselves towards having a lot more knobs and buttons and dials that they can change to adjust things. Like, you know, the, that's been their, their focus on the ecosystem and stuff, splitting everything out, decoupling everything, and then they can tweak every little bit as they see fit much more quicker. I can tell you iteration. this. The CSM has brought up that um, when Team Talos was first um, brought out, it was every two weeks something was changing or getting iterated on or, you know, whatever. And that cadence has seemed to have slowed. Um, yeah, we, we, we have brought that up. And that's about all I can say about it, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to uh, wrap up the other stuff and we're going to now go into an industrial panel and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes to, uh, to bring on some new guests and to talk about these things in depth. Uh, please stick around. This will be the meat and potatoes of what's going on. But uh, before we do that, I have one last question for this panel specifically because I don't want it to become a big focus. Ganking in the new industrial world. We hear that uh, gankers are upset because freighters aren't really being touched by this change and they want freighters to become more expensive so they're uh, a bigger prize to kill. And they believe their ships have gone up in price over the last two to three years. What do you guys say to that? I think they're crybabies because the ships are actually going to get a lot cheaper. Like things like catalysts and like anything that's battlecruiser and down, which is what gankers use, tornadoes, talos, catalysts, trashes, those kind of things, they're all going to get way cheaper. And the, the jump freighters are probably going to stay around the same price, if not get a bit cheaper, I guess, if minerals go down in value once CCP redistributes them. They're not going to get any bigger payout. Freighters and jump freighters are going up. They'll get a bigger uh, number on Zekiel, but they're not getting a bigger payout. I'm not I'm puzzled what they're looking for. So I wonder if skybreakers are going to go down in price to farm catalysts easier in Udama. And they completely oh. missed the point that uh, with all this needed new uh, logistics, you're going to see an increase in targets in space and potentially an uptick in the cost of things like freighters and jump freighters. So I, I don't see why they're crying. It's, it's provable that, that uh, this is actually going to be uh, out of balance in their favor. Yeah, if anything, right, with the, with the fact that you now need reactions to make battleships and all of this new stuff, there's going to be a lot more traffic between these low sec and high sec systems. So potentially there's, you know, there's choke points where these gankers can set up and gank people as they're coming out of the low sec into the high sec or from through high sec to move their materials into low sec or no sec to start reacting. Kenneth, last word on this. Yeah. The CSM is acutely aware of this and we have been working with CCP on, um, a variety of, um, options there and uh yeah i just i i just have to ask you this one question i don't want to open this topic up it'll go too long but why hasn't ccp dealt with ganking and retention issues in high sec it's high security space why shouldn't it be secure it's well, high they, security they did recently didn't they they increased the hit points of freighters when they did the surgical strike patch to kind of counteract the fact that uh, you know, people using Tech 2 guns on Talos's and Catalysts or whatever would be doing more damage to them. Yeah, High security they, they, space isn't supposed to be super safe. It kind of is. That's the original fucking premise. All right, let's, let's let Kenneth uh, get in uh, and then we'll get out. Okay, so I, I know the answer. I don't know if it's public. Um, 
I will talk to the person that I know I heard it from their mouth and get back to you. But I'm pretty sure he said, I'll just go ahead and say it. I'll say it publicly. Um, They have seen over the years that someone who gets ganked is more likely to stay in the game. Yeah, that's public. Okay. But here's the distinction. It's not get ganked. It's get shot at. Not necessarily killed and set back, but shot at and adrenalized. They don't differentiate. If they get if they get killed or ganked, it's still killed, and they're generally more apt to stay. Well, I figure this. You know, cat and mouse. When somebody chases you as a child, you just giggle like crazy because it's fun and exciting, you know. But if you get tackled and and you know, face planted into the dirt, it's less fun. It's less funny if you actually get killed and set I back. think you're also so more likely to look up like what happened and then learn about the game when that happens. Um, I can only tell you what the, what they say the data represents. And the, okay. if, if you get killed or ganked, you're more likely to stay in the first two weeks or whatever it is. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's actually Texas, good for retention. It's really, it's Texas shooter fucking science and it's bullshit. It's, it's right, not we'll true. Be- you're, you're, sampling, you're sampling from people that already stay. It's like, oh, uh, they get more resilient. No, they were resilient and resilient ready when they started playing the game because everyone else has already right. left the game. Okay, again, we're not going into this topic. Sorry, guys. We will d- just do a whole episode on it if you want, because it's a huge wound that's been around for a long time. And that's why I wondered, you know, and I brought it up. But next, we're going to uh, bring on some industrialists. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Talking In Stations. Uh, we are talking about the industrial changes that have hit uh, or are going to hit in the near future. Uh, we have a number of uh, industrialists in here with us. So what we'll do is uh, do quick introductions for each of them to let you know where they're coming from and you can match their voice to their experience. And we'll start with uh, Khan, who you see on screen here. Hey, my name is Asiris Khan. Um, I uh, play with the Dam, uh, I play for the, uh, the uh, Dam Fam. And I say, my history basically revolves around faction warfare and, uh, mining and faction warfare space i was a rp back in the day but now i'm just more of a uh, casual support miner for the faction that i fly for which is the nemesis awesome yeah one of the coolest coolest stories i've run into in eve is uh, faction war miner uh, support stuff it's pretty cool it's good to have you here con also part of talking in stations uh we also have uh nick here and the uh, also on camera how's it going nick bison another day in paradise i'm actually uh Kind of stoked about these industry changes. They're going to be a massive pain in the backside for me because I'm so small, but it's going to be fun. Something new to figure out. Yeah. So, what kind of mining or what kind of uh, industry do you do? Uh, pretty much, well, let's see. Uh, right now, it's pretty much been exhumers, barges, orcas, basically everything in the ore line and most of the Galente stuff uh, below Battleship is just kind of where I've been hanging my hat. Okay, cool. Okay, off camera, we have uh, Dusk. How are you doing, Dusk? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, background in the game? Um, I am mostly a very small core player or uh, even more so a solo player. Um, I have a tendency to, I have two accounts, but I have a tendency to play one at a time, not really dual box. Um, I do a lot of solo mining in high sec. Um, I do some very small scale industry, mostly self-sufficient stuff. Um, I like to build what I use. Um, I really don't play towards the market aspect. Um, and then I do some mission running and some anomalies on the side. 
Cool. And you're very interested in theory and industrial theory and that sort of thing, right? My professional background, I was a, a military analyst and then I got out and now uh, I'm a biologist um, who works in conservation. So I, I really enjoy the ecosystem aspect. Great. Okay. Uh, we also have a GI Joe. Uh, can you tell us about your background, GI Joe? Yeah, sure. Um, at the moment, I'm uh, doing about three things uh, at the same time. I'm uh, heavily invested in industry and uh, the market. And on the other hand, I'm uh, actively, actively uh, participating in high-sec warfare uh, with uh, black flag, uh, mercenary work, contracts, uh, and stuff like that. So you're with mercenaries uh, in high-sec. Okay, good. Um, we also have uh, one of my favorite players, actually, is Nick Lorenzo. How are you? Nico. Nico. Hello. Uh, my name is Nick Lorenzo. I uh, started in 04. And as far as industry goes, well, I've been doing a bit of subcapital industry on a small scale for, I don't know, close to a decade. Um, nothing like capital-wise, but tech to subcapital and had a corp oriented around uh, industrial, yeah. like uh, small, you know, small corp. Nico, you're, spe sorry, you're specifically interesting in this aspect because you created one of the biggest service corporations the game has ever seen. Uh, pro synergy that matched up mission runners with salvagers. Yes, um, the founder of Pro Synergy, and uh, yeah, we we probably processed uh, way over a trillion, uh, probably closer to two three trillion worth of loot over the years. So, yeah, that and that's not corrected for current uh, prices and money. Yeah, it was a trillion back uh, a few years after we started when we did the calculations. So it's probably past, way past that right now. All right, cool. Uh, Nico's is a very interesting guy. The I, he's an ideas guy, which I like. Okay, uh, rounding out, we have a couple more. Shaquin, who's been on the show before. How are you doing, Shaquin? Tell us your background, what you normally do in the game. Uh, my background is I started off actually with a small industry research corporation. So I kind of was recruited into game from uh from that standpoint so i kind of did a lot of exploration then i did a lot of salvage then i once i got my skills up you know i started with t1 production then i eventually struck out on my own and now i do t2 and t3 production so um Excellent. mostly i work with cruisers or battleships so this uh this definitely affects me in some ways especially on the battleship front all right. And uh, last but not least is uh, someone from Army of Mangoes, a relatively new player. What should I, what should I call you? You have two names. I don't want to call out the wrong one. Uh, you can call me Jason. Uh, that's the name that uh, most of my crewmates call me. Jason? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jason, tell us your background in the industry and that sort of thing. Uh, so I started the game about a year ago and I got into mining. And uh, I basically mined for my own mineral and uh, I built it for myself. And I just use the ship that I built to do other things. I built a worker for myself and build a knit hopper for myself. Both of, both of them I use for myself. And I try to build most of uh, the ships that I use. And I feel like uh, you are emotionally attached to those ships when you build it yourself. And it's like, that's my industrial background. All right, cool. Okay, all these guys are people that hang out and talking in stations, and we discussed it on the reaction show, which we had uh, earlier this week. You should see it with Kenneth Feld and myself on the cover there with a big reaction sign in the back. 
Uh, but we've also had discussions offline, which have been really good and interesting. And there's a lot more people than just this panel, but we've selected this panel. We'll have other guests later in the week as we do a few more industrial panels, again, with people from all strata of EVE Online. But first, let's talk about what these changes actually are in the game that are affecting industry. And for that, we go to Kenneth, our uh, subject matter expert on industry. Uh, good afternoon. Yeah, it's um, the changes, as most people alluded to, uh, the dev blog dropped on Friday. Um, the battle cruiser and below is basically not being touched by any of this. The non-faction battle cruiser and below is not being touched. And the theory is to help make those cheaper so that new players and, and people with or relatively small amounts of ISK can replace their ships pretty easily. Um, faction ships and battleships are getting slightly more complex to build, probably going up a little bit in price once this all shakes out. Um, capital ships are getting much more complicated to build and will most likely increase in price. And super capitals are getting massively more complicated to build and most likely will end up at a significantly higher cost once this is all said and done. Um, we, as a CSM, tried to maintain the same ratios kind of that we have in the game today as far as projected pricing, but uh, none of us have any idea of how this is actually going to shake out. Right. So, okay. Uh, that's the overview of what the changes are. I, I believe, and this is just theory, but and, and we want to set up why this is such a big change, that this is the beginning of many changes to everything that players build, probably. They are starting with ships. They're mixing up the ingredients, putting in different branches of ingredients that need to come in, which means there's more harvesting opportunities for people uh, out there to become specialized in gas harvesting or mineral reacting, uh, moon goo reacting, and that sort of stuff. So, uh, we can assume that even with just these ship changes, the new professions are going to spring up, but this is only the beginning. Probably all things will get a whole revamp uh, that looks a lot more intricate than just minerals for things. Sorry, I have one last guest, and that is Dr. Spod. You've seen him here before. How's it going, Spod? Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Push there dark. we go. Helps if I'm unmuted. Yeah. All there good. you go. Yeah. And you are uh, not only a CEO, but also you did some uh, wormhole mining at one point, right? Yeah. I used to run a small corp alliance thing um mining the hell out of c1s before ccp hit it on the head with a hammer <laughs> right we talk about that too all right guys there it is that's the uh patch notes that uh, that have come out um what are you guys's first reactions uh to this thing actually mine's kind of a question um if i may to kenneth where he had mentioned that this increases the complexity and i was kind of reviewing it and if you were a T2 or T3 builder already, the complexity doesn't appear at surface level to be that much more. It's just different items. Or am I missing something real basic? Um, sort of. Uh, you're, you're correct. And I build T1, T2, T3 as well. So it really doesn't affect me much. But there's a lot of smaller Tech 2 producers out there who only have their science skills to level 4. And over, if you look at table three of the Excel thing, there's 20 science skills there that require level five. 
So that's a considerable train for some people and will increase the complexity. Now, you're looking at complexity as you already know how to do reactions, you can do component builds, that kind of stuff. So the complexity isn't there, but to build a T1 Comet prior to this was just gather some minerals, hit the install button, and off you went. It's still going to be more complex to build the hull. However, you understand the component build process, the reaction build process, so the process or the workflow for you won't be more complex, but building the hull still will be. Does that that make sense there? Oh, absolutely. And I was looking at it going, you know, the complexity of build, truthfully, not a big deal to me. Harvesting and gathering the resources is what's going to be interesting for me. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, there's also a little bit more to this whole thing with adding the, the, the skill requirements. It's bringing back speciality and it's bringing back what I would call actual value to actual labor. We had a really good, uh, really uh, large problem with the fact that the requirements to participate in, in, in these processes was way too low. That meant that it was too easy to brute force this with multiple accounts and alt, right? Now you're trying, or at least CCP seems to be trying to bring back speciality and participation and, and group activity and also outsourcing uh, of uh, parts of the labor because someone like Nick might not want to do a source all the things himself. He, he will maybe take one or two of the things that are a little bit uh, annoying or far from, from his normal reach and basically get someone else to do it and buy it from them. So either make actual uh, deals by, by talking to someone or actually engage with the market. This is extremely healthy for the game. This is also why I have kind of almost changed my mind because my first reaction to this was, why did they not fix the slot? Uh, problem with industry because infinite slots is a massive problem in industry these days. It's one of the things that completely flattened and chased away all the old school specialists from the game. But now I'm almost inclined to say that it makes sense to bring this type of stuff out first and then look at structures, NPC station building and slots a little bit later. So I've they've almost changed my mind, which I find a little bit impressive um, because I, I was rage raising a lot, right? But now it makes sense. I, I, I okay. almost see why they're doing this. Okay. Uh, you almost got Kenneth to jump in the ring with you there. I'll give yeah. him a second, just 15 seconds. Go ahead. The, the slot thing, the problem is infinite slots are usable forever with no drawback. If the taxes on a system that has an index of eight, nine, or 10 hurt, then the infinite slots wouldn't be a big deal because you're going to pay out the nose for them. They need to fix the taxes. And CSM, or a few of the CSM are pushing for this, to increase the taxes so that the infinite slots is offset by significant ISK outlay to install jobs. Well, the, the, okay, there's, a, there's, to, a little, there's a little bit of no, a no, comment no, no. to All that. Right, you got 10 seconds and then we'll go it's, on. It's, go it's, not, it's not so much taxes, it's, it's costs, right? Ideally, you would want the index, uh, the industry index to actually be a buff, and then you would fix the downside on actual price and cost. So cost on fuel and, uh, and, and, and cost on, on actual slots for NPCs, which All would right. then make structures a competitor with NPCs. And this is where you want to go, just like you did with tax on uh, broker fees and uh, all those costs. 
we'll leave that there and move on. I think Abby wanted to jump into the previous comment. Go ahead, Abby. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So to get back on track and not talk about slots, um, these are great changes. These are taking items that mostly, for the most part, had no value and very little use, um, and they are making them more useful. That is both high sec gas, that is some PI. They are adding these components to uh, you know the bigger bills, and it's great to give them uses. Caleb make a, made a very good point before that, where he said, you know, people are now going to start supplying that market, and maybe. The guys that just want to mine asteroids, just want to mine moons, are going to be buying this stuff off the market and not go get it themselves. And I think that's a very good point. These changes have made it harder to vertically integrate everything yourself. And you have to now group up, corp up, alliance up. These is, this is going to be like in the olden days when the first Titan was an alliance level commitment. This is making you have to go out there and interact with the market or with other players if you want to get the materials to be that top level industry producer. I love Con? these changes. Stamp of approval. Con, you have some. Can't, can't hear you. I, I, I'm kind of in agreement as to uh, what everybody else is saying. Um, you know, with these updates that CCP has been releasing in the last few years or months, a lot of the changes have been geared towards communicating and trading and building relationships with people, whether that be negative or positive. What you'll see um, with these changes is you're not not able to do everything by yourself. You have to communicate, you have to trade, you have to sometimes, you know, if your neighbors have this certain item that you can't get, sometimes it's better just to be able to, you know, communicate back and forth. And uh, that's a good thing, you know, not being able to just do everything on your own is never good. And I'm, I'm, I'm liking this because I'm meeting people in the area that I've never met before, and I'm interacting with them. And I think that's cool. Quick follow up. You're somebody that deals with other people because you're a miner, so you're selling your goods to other producers and that sort of thing. Or actually, you have a certain clients that you use. Are you finding that that gameplay is uh, expanding? Are you starting to get new people asking you for stuff? Like me, for instance? All the time. Yeah, all the time, yes. Um, and it's, it's just because a lot of people just don't want to do it. I don't know if it's like a mundane task that people don't enjoy, but the need for miners are there. Um, and it's just readily available minerals that you could easily get like Belspar or the, uh, the R4 moons that you can get that gives you pyrite and now the, you know, R4s that are going to be profitable as well. Cool. All right, Jason. And you have another, another, get oh, one more thing. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and all this can be accessed from a, uh, Isaac new player. They just, just from the jump, they can get a barge and they can already start contributing and trading with people around them that they're more likely to buy now that these changes are in place. Uh, Jason, do you have a... Yeah, uh, so from Jason, then Joe. Yeah, please, from my ahead. perspective, let's build for myself. So I don't interact with my final product with the market. So if, if there's limited slots in a certain structure in certain station, then that would be a big problem for me. At least because I there's no uh, point, like just in my case, to just add an extra limit to the to the structure build job like line lineup limit that's because I, I don't interact with the market or anything like that it, it would be just like a downgrade for quality of life i guess this quality of life change but change backward for me if, if there's going to be a limit on the structure yeah I think that's from a n more of a null perspective and uh con is more of a low sec empire perspective just so people can orient themselves on their points of view go ahead joe yeah i think it's uh 
a rather interesting time for CCP to do these changes exactly now because we had uh, a lot of fluctuation in the market before the changes, uh, especially looking at uh, P4 and PI in general. And uh, with those other changes, uh, the prices that were spiking in certain areas uh, are uh, even spiking a lot more. And uh, looking at PI in particular, um, it was uh, pretty much clear that, that uh, the prices were catching up to, uh, to the levels they were in, I guess, in the last uh, spring. And uh, people uh, invested and prepared for that. And uh, what CCP did is just uh, accelerating the, 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 the trend that was, was already, already there, I guess. And uh, especially with, with uh, our four materials that will be needed more, I guess, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see uh, more activity in HiSec when people start to mine uh, our four moons in HiSec again once they become profitable, meaning there will be uh, more structures needed. And with more structures, there will be more need for fuel. And there will be definitely need, uh, will be a need for more um, materials to build the structures. So that's going to accelerate the, the, the prices and the, the velocity of ISK in general even more. As from Joe, he is from Black Flag. They are mercenaries in HiSec, can be hired to kill off your competition or to protect your convoys. Uh, Spod, you said this has uh, been really good for your alliance. Tell us why. Yeah, there we go. Um, just to clear up the background, we, we, we've evolved since the wormholes into like a a high, low, primarily high group that's all industry focused. And because we have that overlap, um, the sort of low sec bottleneck when it comes to things like battleships is not, is not an issue. So having that, um, having that almost pre set up has been a huge boon because we've seen um, passive recruitment and the, the amount of interest from people wanting to get into industry um, has massively spiked since that, that announcement came out. We've gone from receiving uh, somebody maybe once a day, just passively passing by, saying they're interested to four or five, and they're not the classic new player just trying the game sort of recruit. They're they're people that have been playing the game for years and have spun up an alt that want to try industry. So it seems like there's, well, whatever the ultimate consequences are, at the very least, they've hugely spiked interest in industry. Uh, Do we have an idea, anybody can answer this, is this good or bad for new players? Uh, I hear a lot when changes are made that the people who are uh, in power say, this is great for us, it's bad for the little guy. What do you guys think of that? I think there's a, there's a telling thing, right? Because this brings me on to talk about Dunk. Because Dunk started out with being very much against many of these changes. But he's softened up a bit. And I think that's because groups of his size have enough man hours that he can then distribute this out to his dudes, right? It makes sense to uh, take advantage of, of these changes in the fact of actually putting real humans uh, and, and, and distributing trust uh, effectively, right? So he can see why this is actually a bit of a buff to, to someone uh, like his group and, and, and Brave in general. And I think that's also why it proves that there is massive opportunity for new players to participate in this kind of industry. But of course, it requires trust. So it's not like a completely new player that's soloing is going to benefit from this. That's not where it's going to uh, change. But if he, com- uh, if, if he connects with someone and they collaborate on stuff, 
or if he offers his services to a bigger group or a bigger dude, this will best, definitely benefit him. So this is basically a nerf against uh, multiboxing and, and solo gameplay, but it's a massive boost to anyone that engages in group activities. Uh, you can point. almost say it's forced grouping. After all, do you remember the Friday show when we had uh, Thanak afterwards? Uh, yeah. Before that show, uh, I believe uh, Murray talked about how this would affect the smaller uh, producers, the smaller NOSAC groups and such. But uh, I believe Thanak, he's uh, quite quite a small and very new industrial group. He's, he's only quite confident he's going to weather this and be able to adapt. Right. Uh, Murray is from uh, Rote Capel, mostly PvP. They worry about getting their... Uh, you know, resources in order to do their gameplay of PvP and stuff like that. And Thanik is a new CEO, brand new, relatively new player, building it, building his empire from scratch, and he's already on his way. You can see his stuff that he streams on Gaming Since the 70s on YouTube. That's the channel Gaming Since the 70s. And can, he's can just, bringing people along. Yeah. Can I just say something about Murray and the PvP aspect of this? Many of the people that might not have massive industrial uh, activities or don't really want to do that, their main problem is not this industrial change. It's the fact that making PvP a viable lifestyle is a completely different change in balance stuff that CCP needs to look at. This is the whole thing of how loot drops work and how uh, um, the whole ecosystem of how you get things from killing people work, right? This is something that I believe needs a massive overhaul because it needs to be incentivized based on what space you live in, how these things work. Uh, it's similar to the, the, um, the asset safety versus not asset safety in, in wormholes and, and, and case space. I think we need to have that discussion because it needs to be viable to be a PvP if you're good at it. Con? Yeah, um, one thing I wanted to add in kind of, um, you know, agreeing with Spot is, um, you know, with this update, it once again gives people new players specifically more chances to um, uh, contribute in certain inputs. Um, like, you know, say for example, with, um, you know, mining the Malaxalon rocks, um, a lot of people don't want to do it. So maybe the new player could just get into that aspect and specifically specialize in that. And that's how they get their start. Another thing too, with uh, battleships being revamped is a lot of these new players that maybe have a little bit of experience with um, producing ships. Now they also get their foot um, kind of halfway into the water where they're starting to learn these things earlier on. Where before, if you were going from T1 to T2, you know, once you got into T2 production, you're like, what the heck? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's because they didn't actually have a chance to learn that um, because that all they were producing was just materials based off of the T1 ships. So I think it's kind of cool where new players, they also will not only get the, the benefit to interact more, in the ecosystem in the market but they also have more chances to learn these things yeah absolutely like um, a lot of the gases now that are going to be seeded into low sec and some select and all sec systems are readily available in high sec and getting a venture and some gas cloud harvester ones you can be making a lot of money as a new person uh doing a couple of gas sites and same with the pi and the or four moons you know this is distributing out uh, valuable resources into high sec as well to, to just jump right in real quick and I'll, I'll shut up. Um, like you can do most of this PI from ISEC. Like if you're an ISEC player and you're an Omega, you can actually just get a couple of, well, of course, just make sure that there's no tax involved with you extracting the PI, but you can get like a, you know, a newbie starter 
PI infrastructure chain running, you can just sell that as well. So that's there's a lot of chances is what I'm just trying to say to get into this. Don't uh, don't shut up. We don't want you to shut up. Well, the, the, the important thing it's about the all the things that you you guys are talking about and also uh, Twitch chat is that yes, this might be a bit more straining and maybe even frustrating to these solo groups and 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 people that uh, that that work on smaller scale. But the, the the irony is that it's a benefit for them because it hurts the big organizations in a way where they are forced to. Uh, designate and, and distribute that work. So there is a huge chance that it's going to come back and actually benefit you. This is very similar to the mining changes, where everyone was was crying about the fact that mining was made harder. Uh, and now uh, the little guy gets hurt. No, it's actually the opposite. When that happens, the, 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 the massive multi box scaling and things like that becomes way less uh, effective. That means that now this stuff is going to be value added to you as a smaller guy, or but not on, on the brute force scale. You can't do everything, but when you're doing one thing, that is going to be way more valuable than it was in the past. You need yeah, to like add that. bottlenecks to, to, to incentivize group play and to put value back on what an individual player can do. This is exactly the type of stuff that we've been needed because uh -huh. CCP made a big mistake when they started catering to, well, the, the, the casual or the brute force player base, right? So we went through right. the fact we got, we got the and, and it completely messed things up. Now we're getting it back. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the subs, by the way. Uh, uh, Nick, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I was uh, looking at chat and DreamPack7 mentions in there. Uh, you know, who gets hurt as a casual player, the person who doesn't have time to make Eve a full-time job. I disagree with that part, <clears throat> but, or enjoys doing stuff by himself. All right. He's got a good point there because he kind of describes me right now, but I'm still not afraid and neither should that newer player from finding that small group. Khan's group is a great example of a friendly, high, low sec group that would welcome someone in to hang out with them in mind, even if you've just got an hour here, two hours there. There's a lot of groups like that. There's a lot of play style that can be supported, you know, even if you have very limited time. Yeah, for a new player, the opportunities available to make ISK are going to grow significantly. Puffing gas, uh, PI is going to become more diverse, and P2 PI is going to be used a little bit more. So those are much more new player friendly. And then if you fly a ship that gets blown up, Battlecruiser and below should be theoretically easier to replace and cheaper, and you're making more ISK on top of it. The, those changes were specifically targeted to be new player friendly. And uh, I think a lot of people are saying how, you know, it's unfair they've added reactions to battleships and how it's limiting the new player. I don't think it's limiting the new player. The new player can still make everything up to except for battleships, right? So they, they're not going to be limited. And I like the idea of adding this stuff to the battleship because it makes the battleship more like the capital of HiSec, I think. And I think it kind of gives people a taste of that extra complicated step when you're building that quote-unquote capital of HiSec. Well, a lot of people have said that, and I've thought about it. In the past, I could build my own battleship. But you went to Jita and you bought Zydrine and Megasyke. Though both, those both came from Nullsec. You, couldn't, you can't mine those in HiSec. It's no different now, except for you're going to have to buy 
Zydrine megasite and a little trinket that comes from a reaction. But you're still going to be able to assemble the hull in HiSec just like you can before. It'll just be built in HiSec with materials sourced from LowSec or NullSec. And it's no different than it is currently. It's just you have to buy one more item. But the Zydrine and the Megasite never came from HiSec to begin with. It was just easier. But well, you still have Oh, sorry for the interruption. Omega and Zydrine, prior to the changing of the moon ores, when they first came out in high sec, yes, you could get them there, but limited. Do you think and, it might right. be good to uh, buff T1 battleships since they're getting a little more complex? Yeah, I can't talk about that, but um, I, have I can say that I am pushing for that to happen. We'll just leave it at that. I have something for Kenneth because uh, Kenneth and Nico will, will most likely get this point. I think what's funny is to hear all these people in today's Eve that, that are complaining about changes like this saying, well, now I won't be able to, to just build my own things. And this goes all the way up to this actual people that are building, solo building their Titans. Back eight years ago or more, if you said you were going to build your own Titan from scratch with only your own accounts, people would have laughed at you. That's like, this is not even supposed to be possible. And this is the whole thing with, with people saying, well, my solo industry, and what if I'm a casual and just want to build everything myself? Well, that's not how the game is supposed to work. Of course, you can do it, and you still can. It's just going to be extremely difficult and extremely costly, just like it's supposed to be. When CCP flattened things to cater to this type of casual stuff and this type of uh, anti-N plus one, they started killing the game because you cannot have a social game like EVE Online that caters or tries to equalize a solo player with a group player. It's just mm -hmm. not going to work. And the right. game have only lasted for 18 years because it was group-oriented. All right, got it. Uh, but a counterpoint to that is someone that is has joined relatively recently, like Jason, and has said, oh, okay, well, I have my aspirational goals. Uh, and, and then that is getting changed on those people. There's gotta be some frustration for people who said like, well, this, this is the path I was on and you just made it exponentially harder to get there. Jason, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So I was going to say as a solo player, uh, to some point it's good in a way where, uh, CCP is pushing me or the group of people who are like, who are like me, who are doing stuff solo. We are being pushed to do something that we've never done before. Like going to wormhole to do like gas harvesting or I don't know, ninja mining mungu in high sec, stuff like that, right? Those things we have never done before. CCP is pushing us to that way. Yes, it is getting much more complicated uh, as our final product may delay on a few months uh, compared to before the patch. But the, the fun is during the grind. Uh, the fun is during uh, the process of actually grinding for your ship in a way where you're building it, not just earning the S to buy it. Yeah. Um, so just a quick answer to that is like, you shouldn't be allowed to make certain things all on your own. Like that's the whole argument here. And this is something they're pushing. Like I, like I was on a path to become an astronaut, but I'm never going to be an astronaut. So I have to group up with some friends and make a cardboard box and pretend I'm an astronaut. Like, you, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you can't get to build your Titan yourself, but, you know, I, I agree with Caleb. You know, this, it, you should not be able to do that. It's one All person, right. one guy. 
Okay, let's uh, let's go back to the battleship thing. Let's get away from Titans. It always seems to go up to Titans like that's some kind of normal thing, and it's not. So we'll talk about uh, battleships again. Con, you wanted to comment? Can I, actually, can I interject real fast on that one? I okay, think on that one, yeah. Problem. I think you have a problem in the discussion, and that is you're, we're not addressing the difference between what is the economy aspect and what is the player aspect, Right. I don't think that's being addressed in the way we're, we're talking about this because you have some people talking about how it's going to affect the economy and you have other people discussing about how it's going to affect their personal gameplay. Um, if we go back to, to Shen's current or her previous comment, his point is he cannot um, at this point go out and do all this. He has to learn all these, these new avenues of gameplay, which is a valid point. You, you can go out and learn all these different avenues and it's going to take you a considerable amount of time to, to skill up get the gear to do it but the economic side which ccc ccp is pushing for in these changes is you stimulate market activity so rather than shen going out and doing it another player is actually going to specialize in going to get that moon goop or he's going to or another player is going to specialize in going to get that gas and then shen is going to specialize in what he's doing and they're going to have trade and that will facilitate market so these changes are driving competition they're not if you look at it from i'm a solo player and i want to do everything you're you have no competition in what you're doing these changes are specifically going after creating market competition got it or we got that point um i just want to go back to by the way shen is jason same person uh, that was just talking earlier um I want to go back to battleships because somebody here, Conti Luden, says, okay, per battleship, total of 1650 fuel blocks are needed, 82 or 862 are oxygen, 762 are hydrogen. This needs to spread out more. What's the problem with battleships? Uh, Con, you wanted to comment on battleships and the creating them. Well, not so much in the creating part, but more as to their usefulness. Um, Buffs are important, but I feel like the, the primary thing that are affecting battleships uh, in the low set region are Titans and super capitals. And what you'll see is, using stuff as an example in factional warfare, is you'll see um, them not be likely a, as to uh, drop on certain activities. And you'll see a lot of these battleships kind of like start to take over um, as far as when it comes to being not only like a primary uh tool that you would use in these engagements um and that also have to be threatened um so like let me let me kind of back up because i'm not doing a very good job explaining myself here so what i i kind of feel like is that um you're going to see battleships kind of emerge and become more useful than they uh were um because one of the the biggest deterrents of using battleships were always that fear of having somebody third party and drop on you um and with this change you'll, you'll kind of um so you'll, you'll kind of see an improvement in those because that there will always be that fear is if I drop my Titan on this is on this uh, this small gang of battleships, do I have the ability to lose that? And how much would that ISK value cost them in the long run? All right, Kenneth, let's go into some direct questions that just need to be answered. They keep coming up. <clears throat> Let me grab these here. The first one is question one. Uh, why does Table 4 Super Capital Ship Blueprints have no T2 ships other than Exhumers and Expedition Frigates? Um, if you read the blog at the very end, it talks about the next thing that they're going to start looking at is Tech 2 ships. 
Um, if you look at the Tech 2 that's on there, I'm pretty sure there's no or very minimal changes to those. So they, I think like um, something got changed by two or something like that. So they were extremely minimal changes that don't affect anything. So they added them in. But the next thing to be touched is Tech 2 ships. That's why there's only that one specific one on there for, for a benign change, if, if I recall correctly. Okay. Question two, why is the Scorpion and only the Scorpion less material intensive to build than liter literally every other T1 battleship? Uh, the Scorpion basically doesn't have any offensive capabilities. It's generally a support ship across the board. And that is my gut feel. I have not asked. I, I don't know why they chose to do that. But generally, that ship doesn't have any offensive capabilities or very minor offensive capabilities. Um, and that's what mm -hmm. I reason it to. It's also got less trit and materials involved in it, too. This is the second part. The follow-up here is, why is the Scorpion less trit iso-intensive uh, now than the Megatron when it was more intensive before? That's why we're doing isogen. a balance. Okay. Well, that's that's the logistic uh, strain, right? It's it's very important to to point out that the reason they did this is to lighten up the logistic strain a little bit, but not at the cost of value. So I think it's a really good change. Second follow up, third actually follow second follow up on that question about the uh, Scorpion. Why are two cruisers from each empire, the uh, Arbitrator and the uh, Og, Blackbird, Osprey, Celeste, right, all of them except for the Mimitar? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm not sure on that, and I will okay. uh, I will inquire about that uh, tomorrow. Okay. Well, like the right. arbitrator and the Agora are Lodgy and Disruption, so they're not like combat. They're support. Okay. Yeah. So those are the the quick fire stuff that we wanted to get out there. Right. Yeah. The, the The reason that the two cruisers are lower is because they're support. That the real question is why aren't the two Mimitar ones that are in that role in the reduced category as well, I think. Yeah, the from the Bellicose. Yeah. Well, I think I, it's the additional duct tape you need to hold them together. Since we're doing questions, I do want to address <laughs> one to Kenneth, uh, even though it might be NDA. Um, what about structures uh, and structure uh, building? Because right now we're, we're looking at these changes, landing something like a Titan at a point where it's more expensive than a Keepstar that doesn't fit in the game, right? The structure should be a tier up from our shipbuilding. So have, have the CSM and, and CCP actually started talking about structures changes in a similar way to this? Because if we're getting tech two and then maybe modules, then the next natural thing would be something like fixing structures as well. Uh, the dev bug is pretty clear that tech two ships are gonna be next. That's a very vague reply to my question. He can't talk about certain things He's, because of certain obligations. So let's infer it, what we want from that without getting just in trouble. Deferred. Yeah, by the way, um, everybody should read the dev blog a few times. I didn't find that it was very uh, straightforward. Really, a lot of the meat and potatoes of these changes are in the details. So they provided you with uh, a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet that had multiple tabs on it so you could start to see what some of the composition of these, these things are going to be. 
The overall theoretical changes are, however, that more and varied ingredients are going into these ships, which means more and varying harvesting gameplay is going to be in demand, which is why we're talking about the synergy between people who are harvesting and building, uh, building subcomponents with people who are building the larger components. So Nico, uh, you're somebody that actually put a business together, a corporation together that was a service corporation and it was huge and it helped a lot of new players that didn't have a lot of income potential to get income because they were salvaging for people they didn't even know. And you put those relationships together. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So just a quick comment on everything that's been said as far as new players, uh, there's going to be anything within reason. And I'll leave this up to your imagination so that I'll go into deep into it. But within reason and within limit, anything that increases complexity and anything that increases reliance and cooperation with other people, I believe, is a great thing for Eve. Again, yes, there's some people who just don't never want to talk to anyone and maybe their gameplay will be affected by somewhat. But in general, that's not the kind of players you want to, you know, balance an economy around. So the reason Pro Synergy worked as an idea is because for a mission runner to salvage is a waste of money. And for a new player to salvage is a great way to make money. So you kind of synergize those two forces. And same thing here, if, uh, if somebody can uh, hire or, let's say, either directly or via market or just go recruit newer players who don't have the skill set for a certain activity, but they can fill in lower roles, it's a, it's, it's a good opportunity for people to be uh, forced to interact with each other, work with each other. Uh, I have, in my industry corp, not even in ProSynergy, but in my industry corp, we had a similar thing where um, we had advanced players who were experienced and they were reserved for when, uh, you know, when we needed high skill like invention done. And we had newer players who were just coming into EVE or could just starting into industry and they had low skills, but we could use them for copying blueprints. So we didn't waste our high skill characters on copying blueprints. We had newer players uh, copying the blueprints and, you know, doing basic research and things like that. So it's uh, any kind of complexity like that is going to, yes, it's going to increase the maximum, uh, like, uh, skills that you need to achieve to achieve, you know, perfection and make everything by yourself. But it's actually going to help the newer player because they will be more useful and be able to contribute. And that's what they they like. Like, just speaking from experience of dealing with new players for years and years and thousands of them, literally. They love being part of a larger whole and contributing. So I, th- I think it's a good thing. They just, they just need a safe way in emotionally, I would think, like a group that is pre-programmed to not trick them, not uh, humiliate them. I imagine that makes it easier to open that door to a new player cooperating with somebody else. But there is a cost to working together, and that is communication time. So now you've got to talk to people. Now you've got to... You know, sometimes players just want to play because they have a limited amount of time, limited amount of concentration. And here you're asking them to now talk with somebody that may slow all that down. Isn't that a concern? No, because again, like you, you have people who like to play E hardcore and treat it as a second, uh, as a second job, right? And they put those systems in place to make it easier for everyone else to come in and play casually. So there's initially, yeah, you have to recruit someone, you have to talk to them and be explained to them, well, this is how it works. Maybe there's a bit of like 
initial training involved. But after that, it's uh, for our salvagers, it was simple as coming in, look at the contracts, accepting a contract, dropping it off. That I have to process the loot, that I have to haul it, that I have to worry about anything. It actually encourages casual gameplay. Once you go, you know, once you break the barrier of hello, how are you doing? What do you do? How do you do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you set up a lot of stuff for them to not have yeah. to get all complicated. Yeah. And I, can hear some the, new, yeah. I can hear some new players in the back of your sound. there. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing was the industry corp. We had a spreadsheet for newer players to join the industry corp. It was a smaller scale, but we had like 20 members, maybe 20, 30 members that would log in. And they would look at a spreadsheet, see, we need to copy this. They would start putting the copying jobs, and that's it. And then they would get paid on the end of the month with the profit share, uh, uh, you know, that we had going on. So I think it, uh, it just encourages cooperation. I think it's beautiful. And it's, you know, <laughs> that's my two cents. So. We'll see what springs up. Who are the winners? Uh, oh, go ahead, Jason. Just going for the corporate, uh, like, well, corporate play style with industry now, uh, I feel like for me as a solo player, it's more going to, so right now the T1 ships are more like T2 ships where you need a lot of reactions and other materials that that's not like just normal minerals. So I, th I think I will start treating them more like T2 material, T2 like modules, those things as well. So right now what I do with T2 modules, I will buy the uh, blueprint BDC from the contract. I I'll make everything I can out of minerals, either, um, either just make the T1 uh, T1-based module and make the uh, Starship tech or, or like the small robot that assembles the module and, and mine Morphite myself and everything. Uh, and then I'll buy the T2 component from Gita and then haul it back to, uh, haul it back to uh, Nosec. So, I mean, that seems like one of the things that I, I need to start doing with even normal T1 production now. But I will still try my best to, let's say, mine everything I can, like gas or some R4 Mungu in high cycle and stuff like that. But there will be something that I can't, let's say, it's like low cycle gas or stuff like that that's too dangerous or just not worth the risk for me. And you're far away from vendors of that sort of thing, too. Yeah, yeah. We're in deep, deep no cycle. Yeah, you're in an army of mangoes. So. All right. Uh, do you guys have any other questions, comments uh, to each other? I have I have one on the new player aspect. Ahead, um, just before we get away from the new players, talk about other topics. Um, for a, this might sound a little crass, for a long time in EVE, the industrial gameplay has kind of been a prey in the game to the large PvP or base. Um, I think one of the dynamics that I'm not saying will happen, but could happen is uh, strictly um, hunting or uh, geared groups may start to broaden their horizons much like larger blocks have done where they might go okay this has become complex enough to where i can't reasonably do it on my alt without really investing time so i'm going to go out and find two or three new industry players and bring them in and protect them they can be my industry wing um so it might even create opportunities where um they're in specific smaller groups bringing and rising that industrial play to the same scale up rather than just ostracizing it or hunting it as, as prey for their own gameplay. Uh, I'm not saying it, sh it will happen. Uh, it's something I hope does happen. So it's more opportunities for players, potentially. This sounds like industrialization and globalization, where now you can't 
be self-reliant. You can't be isolationist. You can't be right. North Korea. You're, right. you're going to have to integrate. Your trade is the uh, lifeblood of, well, this game and a lot of other things. And you're going to have to integrate things all across the world, all across the game, and from all different backgrounds, even to build the humble battleship now. Kenneth? Yeah, and I... Hmm. I don't want to say his name, but someone on a show that I was on the other day was talking kind of about <laughs> this too. And uh, his idea was to hand out skill injectors to people to get their skills up to build this stuff. And maybe that's what he wants to do, whatever. But as I've cultivated people to help PL grow in their industry, what I would do is if someone needs to build 10,000 guns and that's a little overwhelming for them, then I kind of help out. I'll provide some of the tech two components or whatever their bottleneck is. I look at it. Okay. Their bottleneck is this. It's going to take them 28 days to build this with their build slots that they have and this kind of stuff. So if I can build 50,000 of them in two days and just give them to them, or, you know, this changes hands, but makes it profitable for them. Then here you go, and it kind of gives them a head start, and then they can do the rest of the cleanup along the way. These new blueprints that are coming in, that's what I plan to do. The blueprints are kind of expensive. On the high end, there are $3 billion a piece for the blueprints. Most of the other ones are a billion and a half. I figure patch day, my bill is going to be about $150 billion to buy the blueprints that I need. Um, so that being said, if I need to kind of help people along to get the materials that they need so that everybody in PL can build, that's what I'm going to do. And as far as the coordination part of it, it's real easy for me because it's just me. Now, if you're in a corp and you have spreadsheets and stuff and it works for you, that's great. And I like hearing that because that means that you're kind of moving down the same path. And that's how I plan to help spread it around until the people can afford these new blueprints and get slightly more self-sufficient. In the meantime, I'll be making copies and handing the copies out as well. Now, that's only for the high-end capital stuff. The, the reactions and that kind of stuff are like $10 million a piece. Some of the lower-end ones are only $40 million. So I saw Nick having a <laughs> moment there. Yeah, It's, <laughs> but, it's but only the, the real high-end stuff. I mean, like right now, um, capital doomsday mounts are 2.6 billion, I think, NPC price. So these blueprints are not crazy priced. It's just if you're not building capitals and titans now, you're probably not used to seeing these numbers. But for those of us that are, it's no big deal. So but, but the there will be some sharing late down the road, I think, mostly due to that, too. But the important thing in that uh, in, in that whole detailed explanation is what you said when you said that someone is actually handing injectors to new members. This is basically proving that to to new players or uh, less skilled players, these have now been given a lot more value. So much value that people will start giving them things just to fix this whole outsourcing problem. So new players are definitely already proven to be benefiting from this. Do you think well, we're going to see specific new players there to their existing uh, players that build for them? Do you think we're going to see, uh, I guess, people specialize in each specific component? With the English longbow, you had you had the Fletcher, the Bowyer, the Stringfellow, and we're going to see people specialize in 
making each specific component for each, along the way now. Well, if you're, if you're, if you're doing Absolutely. what Kenneth is, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to get the uh, conveyor belt uh, production line, and it's going to be massively uh, effective if you do that in your big uh, null group industry. It sounds medieval, the idea that each part and component is going to have more people specializing, I guess, an entire corp or family or individuals making that one part to build into the bigger thing. Well, you've got to remember, economy, you build a super now, you're talking, I think if I did the math right, it's a five or six layer tier of inputs, gas, inputs, and then build a reaction. And then that reaction is the input in a blueprint. And then that blueprint goes into this. It's 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 getting complex for sure. And anytime you make something complex like that, if someone wants to cut out some of that complexity, they buy. And where on that chain they buy affects anyone else's ability to build something and make a profit up to that point. And everyone's pain point is going to be different along that chain. Some people like me are, are what do you call it? masochists or whatever that just want mm -hmm. the complete pain so i'll do the whole chain but some other people may just say nope i'm cutting my losses at the second chain and i'll buy everything else below that and anytime someone's willing to do that there's a market for anything leading up to that point you speak of layers and it, it reminds me of uh, the production of japanese swords where they had entire families for the production of metal the production of the sword the sharpening of the sword the polishing of the sword and even <laughs> furnishing the sword at each level hey, yeah exactly. what works yeah, the same building sword it's fundamental economics it goes back to the wealth of nations where he talks about the pin and how the pin can be broken down and industrialized it's oh, basic economic principle thank you for that one that was <laughs> Brilliant. All right. So, so it seems to me that uh, for adaption purposes, advanced players that used to have the whole vertical chain fixed up should get comfortable with, and this is where the expertise come in and the gameplay is figuring out what they can buy easier to relieve that pain point and build the rest. So they're going to now have to pick and choose from the menu what to, what to buy what to use, what to build themselves and where the best profits are, the best equilibrium for them. That was and kind of a question, but uh, and, and I, I take all, all your silence as a yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, you, you said it perfectly. Well, when all that is done, right, Meryl, when, when everyone has now adapted to this new normal, that's when CCP is then going to drop something like limitation or uh, things on slots. So null does not see. become... Well, because otherwise... Yeah, null would slots in there. Well, if well, not, null would become overly dominant if not. All right. Um, one more thing. Uh, this goes, I think, to Kenneth. Um, and then we'll open it up to everybody else. Who are the winners here? Who are the winners and maybe who are the losers in this? And is that the way we should even look at this, these changes? Um, I think the winner is CCP in a certain extent because no one's talked about anything else for the past three or four days and probably will continue to talk about this until mid to late April. Um, but I think overall for the changes, the goal, and it says it right in the front of the, uh, of the dev blog, the new players have much more opportunity to earn ISK in a variety of different ways, as well as new player ships. And I'm talking Battlecruiser and below Tech One should get cheaper in the long run, which will be easier for them to replace. And as they progress in their career, Yes, things are going to get more expensive. 
but for the short term in their career, it should be easier. And I think that's a new win to cultivating new players to the game. And that's, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll just actually um, ask you guys who the winner, well, anybody else want to say who the winners, losers are? He was the winner. Um, I think there's a clear loser and it's specifically targeted to be a clear loser. And that is cap proliferation. Yeah, and I think the important thing when C- uh, when Kenneth says that CCP is the winner, that's the whole point. This is about this is back to the fact that CCP initially didn't expect that Eve Online would live for longer than five years. When they, it then did, because they had ma- made that magic sauce, they 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 were kind of excited and 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 got all those big dreams, and they kept growing all the way up to like uh, 2011, right? Um, the interesting thing is that on the other side of that, they started having trouble with the ecosystem. And things like the fat years and abundance, and it, this is making sure that we can survive another ten years. Because if we had not made these changes, Eve would not have had another ten years. Now it potentially does, and they can get back into growth and actually be a little bit ambitious again. Because they're rolling out new titles, they're, they're doing all these things, collaborations and, and servers in China, and and all that shenanigans. So we're seeing uh, CCP come back in force the way they were before the summer of rage. So this is really looking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really believe this is the uh, the groundwork or the foundation for the next 10, 20 years of EVE Online, these industry changes here. You should also expect more. You can't take an isolation. This is directly linked to the resource changes of the last major patch, and it will be directly linked to the next iteration of the patches. It's just a long-term shift in how the gameplay works. They can't do it in a short period of time, but it's, it's, it's a part of a whole more holistic plan is what I see from these changes. Everybody's kind of hitting on the what the winners are. And I agree, you know, long term absolutely is, is the CCP and Eve side. The loser to me is the those player or players that don't want to change. They don't want to get very comfortable in their current style and they don't want to look at this as a potential opportunity or something new to learn. Yes, exactly. I I, think, I, um, go ahead. Uh, let's go, Nico, and then and then Khan. Uh, yeah, basically nothing new to add. What everybody said already. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Nico. I thought it was Joe that talked, right? Yeah, right. Uh, I would say exactly the same as Nick. Uh, the losers are only people who are not willing to adapt, and probably they shouldn't be in industry. <laughs> Uh, anyways, if, if they cannot or don't want to adapt, uh, winners definitely are going to be the, the newer players. As uh, things get more complex, uh, older players will uh, move up. Uh, they will uh, specialize even more. And that will open up uh, niches for, for new players to get in. Uh, I'm looking at PI, uh, for example, but there are definitely other things. And Khan? Um, yeah, I kind of feel like from an industry standpoint, there are multiple winners. Uh, your builders are going to have more chances to expand more. Your miners are going to, of course, get more income um, from the minerals because with the pain of these changes happening, um, you'll see the material price and artwork prices go up. And then you'll also see the winner from the small scale guy because now they'll have a seat at the table in these larger, more complex uh, building queues where as before, they wouldn't have that opportunity to get into that aspect. The uh, the interesting part here is diplomacy used to be just among the alpha dogs, right? Like all the big alliances would negotiate with each other, but now they have to negotiate with low sec, maybe even wormhole groups. Like the diplomacy is also going to expand 
in territories we haven't seen before. And also between smaller groups, uh, diplomacy between two smaller groups of maybe sharing a resource and helping defend each other. Uh, somebody mentioned earlier on, I'm not sure exactly who they're talking about, I think it was Kenneth, where you find your pain point. And that I think is going to be one of the more interesting things in for the small, medium to small size industrial folks of identifying their pain point. And I'm actually already begun that process, you know, to look at it of what do I have the time, the capacity and the willingness to do? And at what point do I go screw it? I'm buying it, you know, and that's going to be fun. Awesome. Okay. We're going to go into the uh, ending cycle here with, uh, you know, everybody's like last words and comments on this thing. And uh, we'll just go from top to bottom with, uh, actually, before we do that, I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to drag this, I wanted to drag Abby out as a former in-game drug dealer. Because uh. that was an interesting job and gameplay that has gone away. Sorry, I'm outing you. But this is so interesting. And the gameplay was wrecked by a change that made drugs legal. So legalization in EVE Online was a disaster for drug dealers uh, in the game. <laughs> but describe what that was like, because it, it does tie in, and I'll tell you why afterwards. Okay, so very quickly, uh, drugs, quote-unquote drugs, or the uh, combat boosters, whatever you want to call them, uh, they used to be illegal in the game. So if you were flying through a gate and police scanned you, they had them in your cargo, they confiscate them and fine you. You could not uh, get them on the market and you had to set up contracts. You could not set up contract to, to sell them. You actually had to set up a contract to buy them and then the, the seller would have to fulfill them. It was really complicated. But there was a great gameplay because uh, these were reactions that were made in low sec and then you'd make the drugs and there was a very few groups that uh, did it. The group I was in was, I don't want to uh, toot our own horn, but it was uh, the Hedonistic, Imperium, uh, Hedonistic Imperative Alliance or... Uh, Ease and Wiz was the um, the corp name, and we were probably one of the biggest and longest running uh, drug selling groups in the game. Um, but I used to like to role play as a drug dealer, um, and one thing I did was uh, so if like low sec people and null sec people would buy them, and if I couldn't dock up in a structure or if I was having fun, I would make the person like warp out to a random planet and a random moon, and and get in position, and then I'd make them transfer the money to me and then i'd decloak and like drop the drugs in a can and be like i gotta go i gotta go the faction police are here yo <laughs> and, then, and then and then you know just like warp off and cloak up and like i used to use like make people like give me code words and just totally play that cheesy drug dealer role um but they made the drugs legal um i guess it's a good thing because you get them in your login rewards now and it's a bit easier to use them but uh, it completely ruined that style of of sketchy role play game gaming now they should make it pvp so if i scan you and you have drugs you become flagged and i can kill you i would i would have welcomed Ooh. that change back well it's it's just sad uh that gameplay went away because it was really interesting i remember talking to people who had like their drug dealers of choice yes and yeah you would yeah you would like how we worked was the the alliance we all grouped our stuff like and the gas comes from all different regions in space. So I would go out to, say, Delve and sell someone drugs and pick up some gas. And then I go to their enemy, pick up some gas from them, sell them drugs. And people had their contacts. And um, there, there wasn't that many of us that did it at one time, but it was great. Uh, it was really cool. Oh, well, and the way that, <laughs> the way that ties in um, is just creating gameplay around uh, 
opportunities to fill voids. And what this change is doing is creating so much expansion in the industrial complex, it will create voids because people won't be able to do all the things they need to do. So I see in, um, uh, in the future, people being able to find a career, not, not as sexy as drug dealing, right? Miami Vice, but no, I know. mean, yeah, I was pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah it's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, but you know, there's going to be areas where people can develop uh, niche stuff like, uh, like maybe even just ripping things off, uh, you know, hubcaps on a car and then selling them on the market or something. I don't know. Uh, it could be very interesting what happens here. I really think the gas, the gas huffing uh, is going to become a yeah. big thing because like with them putting it everywhere now, it's so accessible for newbies. Once you get that gas huffing skill book, which you can find with exploration, by the way, guys, uh, you don't have to pay like 50 million for it or whatever it is. Um, it's great. Well, there you go. Right. So that's, uh, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, the gas, the relationship to gas. So uh, anybody who's like an ex um, booster maker can now find a whole new market for his product, which is going to be interesting. And can we start a campaign to make drugs illegal again so I can have my fun back? Yes. Yeah, let's uh, bring that back. Pulse. Look, get rid of ganking. Put back in uh, yeah, drug Kenneth, dealing. Yeah, Kenneth, get rid of ganking. Bring back drug dealing, please. <laughs> make it happen. Uh, all right, let's go into uh, last comments. If you have last comments on these changes, uh, your last words on it. Uh, and we'll start with Joe again from Black Flag. He's a high sec mercenary, uh, and he is also an industrialist. Joe, yeah, uh, just in general, I I really uh, really happy about the changes, and I'm definitely very interested how or where CCP is going to take this. Uh, we started with with uh, ships, capitals in particular, but uh, I'm expecting that this is gonna. Um, gonna move on to to structures and modules as well, and it will be very interesting to see uh, how CCP is gonna uh, gonna interact with with uh, with market with economy now that they have uh, some tools to actually fine tune uh, certain aspects of of the game, and uh, yeah. Uh, in addition to that, I think. Uh, constant change is going to be the new normal. If, if you're looking at the last year, I guess that uh, became pretty apparent. And uh, I think overall, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good thing. Awesome. We look forward to seeing what you do with it. Um, next is uh, Khan. He is, again, uh, he's from Dam Fam, and they are faction war miners. They work with Ashra Khan, and they feed him a ton of materials and uh, ships and that sort of thing. So that's his perspective. Khan, your thoughts on this? Um, I'm actually very excited for this change as a miner um, because, you know, as somebody who's specialized pretty much all of their gameplay into one aspect and nothing um, other than that, you know, basically me prioritizing just mining gives me even more um, of a uh, possibility to, you know, do trade and um, increase my value in the overall game, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Abby? Yeah, um, I love it. I love it. I love it. Adding this like half a tier step, making battleships, the capitals a high sec, giving more people more opportunities, more trade, more everything. I love it. Um, Jason from AOM, Nullsec. Uh, yeah, so in my, like, in my perspective, this really like, like, I guess delayed the final goal from where I am right now. But this also pushes me to the... Uh, mining that, that I usually don't do, like uh, gas harvesting in wormholes and like the moon mining high sex over that. So it'd be 
I'm really excited to do those things. Um, and I, I wanted to do them before, but I guess this time just CCP pushed me in that direction to do it. Right. Caleb? Well, I'd just like to say that having followed this development quite closely because I've been screaming about it for five or more years, right? Uh, I had reservations and I was a little bit uh, doubting uh, for a while and I have been on many occasions. Um, everyone has been screaming that the ecosystem team don't know what they're doing. Well, maybe they're not doing this perfectly, but considering the resources that CCP has and the way that they've been rolling changes out over the past 18 months, I'm very impressed. It's not exactly what I expected, but seeing what can then come in the next iteration, so the next 6, 12, 18 months, I am definitely seeing this moving back into something healthy. And I, I suspect that even though sometimes uh, the CSM is, is, is blamed for lobbying, I think in this case, they might actually have been doing their job and being uh, forthcoming and engaging in the dialogue and realizing that change is required. So I'm very happy with both the CSM and the CCP's work. I think this is looking really good. It's slower than I expected because I kind of want to get back into my old style gameplay like soon. Um, but it looks like I have to have a little bit of patience. But then again, everyone has been requiring patience during these last eight, nine months of warfare, right? So I'm just going to have to be in the same boat. Nico. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, caught him. All right. Uh, Kenneth, and we'll wrap up. Yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited to hear that uh, players of different styles than me particularly are happy about these changes. I was kind of worried about some of them. Um, mind you, the CSM didn't get to make the overall decisions on this. We just kind of got to trim the edges and, uh, and, and work out some things. So that, that really gives me hope for the future. Uh, you know, I, I get it. The iteration's coming. Some things get iterated on, some don't. I, I get it. I understand it. I can only go by my, um, experiences over the last eight months on the CSM or 10 months, however long it's been now. Um, and I'm, I am really optimistic about the future. Uh, I'm glad that other people are seeing the same thing. I'm floored that Caleb agrees with me because that typically doesn't happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to the next set uh, of changes and, and, uh, interlacing those with what we've already done. All right. Well, I want to say thanks to uh, the audience of uh, over 320 people uh, for asking questions and uh, commenting in the chat. I uh, also want to say thanks to our industrialists uh, that we'll say goodbye to in just a second. And I want to say thanks to the staff that made this show possible. Uh, so in order, uh, of course, Kenneth, who uh, presented all the information, continues to. He's running for CSM. He's running for re-election. So keep that in mind because he's been really great at communicating this in a way that's understandable. Uh, I want to say thanks to Abby Rova, our drug dealer, our resident drug dealer. Uh, no problem, Khan. I got your hookup, buddy. <laughs> you got me. Okay. Khan from uh, Usher Khan. Uh, Caleb, Spod, Dusk, G.I. Joe, Dirtbag from Black Flag, Nick Bison. Wave there, Nick. Nico Lorenzo, who uh, uh, made a great... Uh, service-oriented corp long ago, and uh, Rich Richman, Shaquem Sutonia, and Jason from 
uh, army of mangoes. Thanks, you guys, for your time and for all your wisdom and information. Really appreciate it. And don't okay. forget the stream. The stream. Yes, thank you. I was about to do that. Um, there's going to be a CCP stream tomorrow that you should check into. It'll be official. And uh, it is the EVE ecosystem will uh, be live streaming tomorrow. That's Monday, March 29th at 1700 UTC. Don't miss that. There'll be uh, plenty of information there. Maybe some details officially from CCP. Uh, I'll and be that, on that stream as well. And you'll be there too. Great. All right. Thank you guys very much. Uh, that is all we have time for this week. We will see you next week. Oh, I forgot McLeod, uh, our engineer who's been here the whole time. Thank you very much. We will see you next week on Talking in Stations. Mm -hmm.